I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psychax, Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is the superficiality of desire. So I've been kicking around this episode in my head for a while, and I've come to the conclusion that humans seem to be more or less hopelessly, tragically superficial with respect to what they are attracted to. And I think this is true for both men and women. The internets would love to have a protracted argument about which sex is more superficial than the other. However, I think it's safe to say that both are extremely superficial, albeit in different ways. And after discussing what I mean by this, I'm going to offer a potentially radical and counterintuitive suggestion with respect to how folks might choose to navigate this reality. So let's get to it. All right. It is woefully apparent that the things that men and women are attracted to, the things that men and women tend to look for and swipe for in their potential partners, have little to no relation whatsoever to the things that we know tend to make people happy or the things we know tend to make for successful relationships. The height of a man, the size of her bust, for instance, have zero, absolutely nothing, zero, to do with whether that particular man or that particular woman is capable of even a non-terrible relationship. And it's also true that pointing this out isn't going to change a goddamn thing. People want what they want, even if it's unreasonable, even if it's socially unacceptable, even if it's downright toxic. Fighting against this is a losing battle, and one that I personally believe doesn't need to be fought anyway, because I've come to some measure of acceptance with respect to this reality. So how do men and women differ with respect to their superficial desires? Well, it will probably come as little surprise that men tend to be tragically superficial with respect to women's physical appearance. And that's a real kick in the teeth for some women. Because if a woman doesn't meet certain minimum standards of attractiveness in a man's eyes, she's going to be functionally invisible to that man as a potential mate. Now, there are many, many things that are within a woman's control that can influence her appearance, fitness and fashion foremost among them. However, none of them will make a woman gorgeous if the genetics aren't there to back it up. So I have some sympathy for women. There's only so much you can do. And hitting the genetic lottery with respect to looks actually tells us nothing about whether she can, say, regulate her own emotions, let alone hold a conversation. But men are going to keep wanting what they want. Now, before I go any further, if you're liking what you're hearing, please consider sending this episode to someone who might benefit from its message. It's word of mouth referrals like this that really help to grow the channel. And if you're thinking about going to grad school, then be sure to check out my top rated GRE self-study program at StellarGRE.com. You can use the coupon code PSYCH for 10% off all membership plans. Now, on the other hand, women not only have their own superficial desires with respect to men's physical appearance, a man's height, again, being at the top of the list, women also tend to be superficial with respect to the things around men, which means their lifestyle more generally. Many years ago, I went out on a first date with a woman in college, and I thought the date went fairly well. We actually ended up in a multi-year relationship further down the road. But that night, when I invited her back to my dorm room, she turned me down, and she told me that she wasn't interested in never seeing me again. 
Okay. Many years later, I learned that the reason why she didn't come back with me that night, the reason why she apparently wasn't interested in seeing me again, was that her previous boyfriend had had his own apartment. And she felt like it would be a step backwards for her to be dating a guy who lived in the college dorms. As Chris Rock has said, men cannot go backwards sexually and women cannot go backwards in lifestyle. Here's an example of this in action. Unfortunately, and this is where women really shoot themselves in the collective foot, eliminating a man, especially a young man, from consideration due to his circumstances is not only superficial, it's stupid. Why? Well, in my own personal case, I lived in those dorms for like another six months, after which I got my own apartment. The lifestyle of a man is going to change, and if the guy has any sense or ambition at all, it's probably only going to get better and better. But women often don't want to wait. They don't want to be a part of the process by which the man extrapolates the desirable lifestyle. They want to hang out at the winner's circle, which, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, is actually a really bad mating strategy for the vast majority of women. Ladies, you can watch my episode, Find Your Dark Horse, for a counterintuitive recommendation on what you can implement instead. On the other hand, a woman's face is kind of her face. It's unlikely to improve over the course of her lifetime. So while men might be superficial, in basing mate preference so heavily on physical attractiveness, they're, they're not quite as stupid. Now, maybe there's a reason women seem to be impatient. They don't have the same luxury of time as men do given their reproductive window. So let's assume there's some kind of evolutionary incentive for women's impatience with the lifestyles of men. However, it's also likely true that women tend to reject more men for more superficial reasons than men reject women for purely economic reasons. Women just tend to have more options than men do. It's easier to kick someone out of bed for eating crackers if you have some folks sitting up in the living room. And the greater the perceived optionality, the more superficial women's superficiality becomes. And why not? I'm convinced that most men would do the same if they enjoyed the same degree of optionality. I think this is an economic principle, not necessarily a gender-specific one. Okay, so why am I talking about all this? Ideally, I would like people to at least consider the possibility that the gender-specific examples of the superficiality of desire that they are personally frustrated at or enraged by are likely not going to change anytime soon. Among other reasons, they are likely rooted in evolutionary and economic principles that are royally indifferent to whatever social ideology happens to be prevalent at the time. The superficiality of desire is here to stay. And within this understanding, my counterintuitive recommendation is to accept this reality and learn to play the game of superficiality more successfully. Now, when people take offense at this recommendation, they generally do so from the position akin to something like, Orion, the things you're talking about are petty and insignificant. Why should it matter if I have my own place? What does that have to do with me, who I am as a person, or a flat stomach, or a nice haircut, or that I wear high heels or not? Who cares? Those things aren't me. 
I fall in love with people's minds, with people's souls. And I want someone who wants me for me, not what I have or happen to look like. Okay. And leaving aside the obvious lack of acceptance, this response indicates my answer to this is something like, if what I'm talking about is really so petty and insignificant, why not just do it? I mean, it might be petty and insignificant that your boss prefers blue ink to black ink on his reports, but if it's really no skin off your back, and if it helps you keep your job, just fucking use the blue pens. The more superficial and insignificant the objection becomes, the less defensible it becomes, especially if the costs associated with addressing it are dwarfed by the potential liabilities of not addressing it. This means that women should not only take care of their physical appearance, they should invest in it and potentially invest heavily. And men should not just take care of their lifestyles, they should invest in them and potentially invest heavily. If getting a personal trainer significantly increases your attraction, then fucking do it. If having a stylish outfit increases your attraction, then what is the problem, my people? If you can spend a few thousand dollars to raise your attractiveness a point or two, that might very well be one of the best possible uses of your money. I'm not sure if people can see your mind or your soul, but I'm absolutely sure that if they don't like your packaging, they're not going to stick around long enough to see it, assuming they can at all. Fortunately, addressing the superficial elements of attraction is actually far easier and far cheaper than addressing many of the other things that factor into the mating dating game. So you might as well start there, just keeping it a buck. What do you think? Does this fit with your own experience? Let me know in the comments below. And if you've gotten this far, you might as well like this episode and subscribe to this channel. You may also consider becoming a channel member with perks like priority review of comments or booking a paid consultation. As always, thank you for listening.